So part of, I guess, what we want to do is, yes, enable fiat, which allows people to get in to start with. But I guess the next level of that is to take the native currency step out of that process. As part of the feature set that we want to offer is the idea that you can come in and say, I want to buy a hundred bucks of the token I'm interested in. So, you know, your credit card would be charged by a payment partner, so someone like Wire. Wire would process that credit card transaction. They would then send us a notification that, yes, this, this transaction's been processed. Basically, link up that purchase. We would use the native functionality of the DEX to allow us to actually do a transaction from the credit card side using a pool of our own BNB that we're spending on behalf of you. And then we would do the swap and you would be the receiver of that. That was the CTO of Ember, James Hunt. For the season two premiere of Today at Ember, Jason and myself discuss with James about his background. We also break down his methodology of development and most importantly, how he became part of the Ember project. In addition, we also do a live demonstration of the builder for checkout, how it works, and we show how beneficial and accessible it is to integrate into any project on any blockchain. Jason, James, and myself also have an in-depth follow-up discussion about what the future is for DeFi and also how it relates to Ember. Hope you guys enjoy the show. Today at Ember, its hosts, Rob Velossi and Jason Dominique and their guests are not financial advisors unless otherwise disclaimed. The content on Today at Ember is for educational and entertainment purposes only and merely cite their own personal opinions. Know that all investments involve some form of risk. Please work with an investment professional. And now onto the show. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to season two of Today at Amber. I'm your host, Rob Bellazzi, along with my co-host and who's co-CEO of our organization here at Amber, Jason Dominique. It's good to be back. Jason, how you doing, buddy? Amazing, Rob. What a great start to this season two. I love this introduction. What do you think, Rob? I think it's fantastic. I think we've uh, we've really outdone ourselves. I love the theme. I'm, I'm a huge cyberpunk person. I love this kind of music. I'm just really excited about what we have to offer. I see the chat that we're able to watch and see the community that are participating in this. I'm just really excited for season two. This is awesome. Just want to give a quick shout out to Stig, obviously, um, Brian, who helped put that together. There's, you know, we worked on it tirelessly and uh, it looks really cool. So I'm excited. It sets the tone. So let's hit it off. Yeah, absolutely. Today, we're going to have really some special stuff. Jason and I, we're going to talk a little bit. We have someone that's been a long-awaited arrival to kind of introduce to the rest of the community. We've been obviously in conversations with him the entire time. But our um, CTO, James, who's going to be joining us today, is going to go over some stuff. I'm really happy to you know, showcase not only him as an individual, but what he's been working on. Good. So let him, uh, let him take the stage. Absolutely. Hey, James. Hi. How's it going? Thanks for having me on the show, guys. I know uh, uh, you've been really busy. I know you just you know, had another addition to your family as well. So congratulations on that. And still burning the midnight oil. I don't know what time was it, 6 a.m. there in Australia right now? So, but- It's 6 a.m. here, yeah. So it's not too bad. Jason's an early morning person. Usually I'm a late night person, which works great for meetings, um, but not so much when it's 6 a.m. And, and you guys want to do a podcast. But I'm here. I'm excited uh, to be on the show. Um. <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. 
Yeah, I think uh, a great way to start. And obviously, um, as Rob was saying, we work together every day and, you know, we've been building this, this project, you know, for the past month. And uh, most of our community and our audience, unfortunately, didn't didn't know you or don't know you as well. I mean, you're you're present here and there in the social, but obviously you're you're keeping yourself busy. But there's an interesting backstory here where, and I remember when you weren't part of the project yet, and Andrew was saying, you know, I think there's this great guy who'd be a, an amazing fit. He's got a, a you know an incredible background. And reverse the story around on my end, it was late. I think it was like 1 a.m. And he said, I think we should have like a quick Slack meeting with him. And I'm like, yeah, for sure. Let's just do it. And then I jump in and then you're all primed up because it's your morning and I'm, it's my late evening. And yeah, I'd, I'd love for you to give us a, you know, an insight into a bit how you two met because prior to Ember, you and Andrew worked together, right? Yeah, that's right. So Andrew and I worked together look way back in like 2012, 2013. It was a startup that was kind of like really early video streaming stuff. And it was when um, Twitter did, I think Meerkat was kind of like that time. It was like Vine, Vine kind of times. And we did, um, yeah, we did this video streaming startup. We did a like a reverse video product for Instagram called Rewind. This is like, this is quite a few years ago now. It's kind of showing my age. I'd kind of just made the move out of like, you know, kind of a, a small Melbourne IT company. I was doing like a, some uni study stuff at the time, took a break from that. And I remember going into the, the offices to meet Andrew and it was like this you know, classic tiny early startup office in a suburb called Richmond in Melbourne, which traditionally is pretty cool, but our office was not cool at all. <laughs> really like the bottom. I live that area, man. Rich, Richmond is fantastic. It's the best place in Melbourne. It is a fantastic area. Like as soon as you step out of the office, it's like cafes and stuff. And we had this like, tiny little office and there were like three of us and a really big sign that were like, I think Andrew would take two events and try raising. And so it was like three of us this big ass sign in like the, basically the basement of this building. <laughs> um, that's, that, that was my start with Andrew and, and kind of my first step into the startup scene here in Melbourne, which was awesome. And, you know, was, was with him for a couple of years. So I'll look, it was, it was good times. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, we, we've done separate things uh, for years and always stayed in touch. We actually managed to bump into each other in the city a couple of times and kind of went, hey, like, you know, let's keep connected. And then, yeah, he hit me up at probably, you know, some early hour of the evening or of the morning, sorry, um, and was like, hey, I'm doing this crypto thing now. I could really use your help. <laughs> and I think what had happened is like the original, like, you know, the previous token, we had a, a username registration website. And the whole thing, like the server had fallen over or something. <laughs> and he was like, oh, can you, can you jump in? And I think at that time it was like 1 a.m., and we had this meeting with some of like the previous team members. And I'm trying to unpick kind of what had happened to this. Fun times, for sure. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fast forward, we built an app. I got to know the rest of the team, started Ember, and we're here. So, you know, it's, it's a bit of a fun story. Yeah. No, absolutely. I think, I think that's what's so cool about Ember, too, as well, is that the way this team kind of fell into our lap. You know, the idea that, you know, none of us, you know, we've, you know, except for you and Andrew knowing each other outside of this, we didn't know each other previously. And because of the pandemic and because of technology, 
But, you know, and, and if you've worked in other organizations where, you, you know, the company culture and having that level of chemistry with one another is so difficult to find in person. And the idea that we're able to have this as a team as we have now, I mean, that's one in a million. I mean, it's very, very rare. Yeah, 100%. Especially when you're working, you're working across time zone. I mean, I, I only saw Andrew on video for like quite a good portion of the last six months because he, he moved out of the city. And so, I mean, I, I see you guys as much as I see him, really. <laughs> I think we've been we've been very lucky to to find a team that we actually get along pretty well. Yeah. There's good chemistry, and we can you know we can kind of build the things that we want. So it's good. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Do you want to discuss it all too? Like what your background is when it comes to you know the finance world and how that relates to you know what we're doing here with Ember. We're going to get into some demonstrations and stuff later, and but you know, Willie, what your background is and how that relates to Ember and why you're the perfect person for the job. Yeah, 100%. That's a very nice way to put it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, I mean, I worked in, I guess, IT, you know, web development. Back then, we called it web design. Way back in the day, when you know, I was building my WordPress webs. The, the Dreamweaver days. <laughs> Dreamweaver yeah, days. Yeah, yeah, pretty God. much. I've heard that term in forever. Wow. <laughs> no, it was never that bad. <laughs> and then they started calling it UX design whatever else. So back way back in the day, I was actually more of a designer and, you know, ended up kind of getting into web because uh, I wanted to build the things I was designing. And I got sucked down the rabbit hole um, of web development and all the things that come with it. And so I guess in my tenure of being a web developer uh, or a software developer, I, I used to work in an agency that worked really heavily with a lot of retail brands here in Australia and particularly Melbourne and Sydney, but um, kind of all throughout Australia and New Zealand. And so heaps of e-commerce experience there. Got to work with people like Shopify and got some great connections there. I love e-commerce. Feel free to have a chat with me, guys, on Discord if if you're keen, if you want to know about Shopify integrations and stuff like that. But yeah, I spent quite a long time in agency getting appreciation for, I guess, retail, what they struggle with, I guess, what, what are the challenges of traditional retail getting online and, and selling and um, what are some of the considerations there. After agency life, I spent a couple of years working in fintech. So, kind of their finance startups, buy now, pay later, you know, kind of digital loans, that kind of thing. And that was lots of fun. It's, it's a sector that's really compliance driven, which after the, I think the fast paced life of being in an agency is pretty, it's pretty interesting because everything had to be checked and rechecked and, and whatever else because with finance, you know, it's, it's important. It's people's money. You have to be compliant and you have to make sure that you're doing things the right way. But I definitely picked up an appreciation for, I guess, that compliance side of things and also just how particular you have to be when you're building things for finance. You know, it needs to be, it needs to be perfect. And in software development, you often have to be resigned to the fact that not everything's going to be perfect. There's always going to be a bug somewhere. But with finance, I definitely uh, picked up an appreciation for very rigorous testing and uh, building things the wrong. Yeah. The good enough mentality that makes a startup nimble and move fast uh, can't, uh, you know, it doesn't fly in finance. (laughs) Yeah, it's not really good enough. So that was, I mean, it was great. And working in finance startups, um, you you come up across, I guess, different challenges and the the different kind of things that you're actually building because. At the end of the day, someone's using your product to do buy now, pay later. You know, you've got to integrate with all sorts of different stuff. You're going to manage the data, right? So I definitely picked up an appreciation for that side of things. Uh, and now I'm back in the startup landscape, which I do like working for a Melbourne startup. Uh, and yeah, look, that's me. 
It's an interesting connection because the way you bring it up, you speak about being in a space that is so regulated and so compliant and so strict. You could even try to make the connection and say, you know what, I've had enough of this and I want to go wild west, you know, and, and you find yourself in a DeFi space where we're trying to stay away from all this compliance and regulation, et cetera. But ultimately, I think the important thing to remember in this is, and going back to what Rob said, the full circle with, you know, why you're the right guy is I feel that this discipline and this focus on making sure that things not necessarily are perfect, that are on par to a certain standard, you know, correlates very well with our sort of mission and our focus uh, at Ember, which is, you know, making this space somewhat, even though unregulated, we want to make it compliant and, and at the best that we can in some form of, how can I say, uh, I don't want to use the word centralized. I mean, we did use a few times sort of the CD5 approach, which is somewhat of a centralized, decentralized uh, finance platform, but ultimately it is. And I've heard you say many times in the past, and, and I'd like you to expand on this, which is really more about enabling rather than, you know, controlling. Yeah, I think Rob and I were having this conversation yesterday about the fact that there's a real difference between, say, like a, a Binance, that's a centralized exchange where you don't control your funds when it lives in Binance. Binance controls the funds and you can you can ask to remove that every now and then, but there's a very different space there in terms of, you know, how much you control versus how much they control. Flip that over to DeFi where all the responsibility is on the end user, which is awesome in terms of autonomy. But then, of course, you have to contend with rug pulls and uh, people who set up, you know, squid game tokens and, you know, the responsibility of never losing your your seed phrase, otherwise you're going to lose all the money in your wallet, right? It's, it's, it really puts the personal responsibility on the end user. And so, you know, that's the space that we're living in at the moment. And I think there's a lot of great things about empowering people to kind of control their own assets in that way and interactions in that way. But one of the things that we've noticed, uh, especially along the journey of launching our own token and our own project, is it's bloody hard. <laughs> there's so much involved in getting it right you know, you've got to set up your you've got to set up your wallet. If you want to launch your coin, you've got to do it a particular way. You've got to make sure that the contract is audited, that it's uh, that there are no failings. And even if you're doing the things the right way, like you're not out to scam somebody, mm-hmm. there's people out to scam you. Right? Take a look at our inbox. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. And so, you know, along this journey, we've had to go, yeah, like the responsibility does actually really fall on us. And we've we've wanted to do things the right way along. And I think along that journey, we've picked up some tips and tricks and I guess some some ways to stay within the lines of safety in the DeFi world that we want to kind of share through our products and eventually through the Ember.org platform. And so I guess that the term that you used, Jason, was enabling. You know, we want to provide tools to help people work within the space and help people kind of stay within the safety margins. Um, but under their own kind of under their own steam and autonomy. And so it's around you know providing instruction and instru- and warning. You know when we come into a, a bit of a dangerous area, 
and so I won't touch on it too much now because I know we'll touch on checkout soon. But even to the checkout, like we've built things like liquidity checks and honeypot checks and whatever else. And so that if someone was to put a checkout on their website and suddenly pull all the liquidity, the checkout's going to show a big red ugly box on that token's website saying liquidity's been pulled. And so that's kind of our approach. We don't want to control everyone's finances because as Coming from a background in finance, that's a very scary proposition. <laughs> I don't want to be responsible. <laughs> that's actually something I was going to touch on too as well, is that I know that our end objective, of course, is to enable and empower the end user. But from your, for coming from your background, do you think, you know, coming from the fintech world, which is highly regulated, and you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of you know, steps that you have to go through to be able to launch anything in that space, do you think that that gives you a u- unique perspective coming from that world into something now that's that's literally the wild west when it comes to regulation and when it comes to you know that, that the whole aspect of things i think it gives you a, a sort of a, a perspective that other people don't have in this space that i think that is going to be integral to what's going to happen you know a year two years three years down the line yeah look i think it definitely gives me an appreciation for that and it's always in the back of my mind and i think much the same is i know jason and andrew will probably say this of working in startup you know anything that we we face in crypto, we're always viewing through a startup lens as well as through a crypto lens. And I think with me, I'm also viewing that through a, a finance and <laughs> regulation and compliance lens and going, you know, if this was, you know, a product in the physical world that people were interacting with, with their hard-earned money, what kind of expectation would they have around their safety and their security? So yeah, it's, it's absolutely always in the back of my mind. <laughs> And is something that I guess um, does give me a bit of a unique perspective, or it's it's part of my perspective when I'm looking at this kind of stuff. Which I think, and it's a good parallel that I'd like to make, is ultimately none of us are experts, you know, in in the in the Web three and things like that. You know, everybody's learning every single day. You know, that we we identify new opportunities, we identify you know issues and things like that. But ultimately, what's interesting is we're all sort of early adopters and what we experience in the space coming from a web sort of two very established industry and framework and blueprint. And then when you, you, you dive into this space, it really feels like the nineties and early 2000 where, you know, it's, it's very much at the infrastructure level. There's no real front end. Everything's complex. You need to be very, very advanced. And like you just mentioned, James, is you want to launch something in that space. I mean, for having launched many, many businesses in the past, you know, in the last 20 years, a couple startups, you know, the blueprint, it's out there. It's easy. You know, it's like step one, two, three, you know, it's done, you know, and in two weeks, your, your bank is set up, you have your Stripe, you know, enabled, everything's there. But when you want to start a crypto web three enabled sort of startup that has a digital asset as a currency in the background that is powered by it. And it's like, you need to think about distribution, you need to think about tokenomics, all of this, all of this is brand new. And I think it's great sometime to take this step back and think, okay, so if people are going to migrate from web two to web three, like, can they do it right now? Like in the state of the space? I mean, the, the short answer is no. 
Like it's it's impossible for it's mass adoption cannot happen right now. You mean for the transition? You mean from from two point to three point? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Because it's it's you know the crypto space and Web three and all those sorts of things. It's a massive echo chamber. You know, of people, you know, of of these people that that are familiar with tech. But if you think about you know my sister, my mother, my uncle, my you know most of my friends that are tech enabled, they have no clue how to get in there. Yeah, I agree. It's it's one of those things where, you know, we, we've got to remind ourselves sometimes, even though we've been doing this for, I mean, probably six months as a team, not more, you know, more for you guys, as a space, you know, things aren't well established yet. You know, we are still in really early days. We don't have, you know, established ways of even approaching certain problems like, you know, I think there's about three or four different ways to do authentication, right? Through MetaMask or through Web3. And so someone's going to work out the the standard eventually or the community is. But right now, we've got so many competing standards within the crypto space that it, it's kind of about consolidating that and finding, you know, what is going to be the way forward for everyone. I like to describe it to my relatives who they sometimes ask me about crypto, like it's this kind of you know, magical, strange thing. They go, oh, you know, what's happening with crypto? Or <laughs> what is it? And I'll sometimes describe it like the internet back in the 90s. I think that's a good analogy. I'm like, right now, people are building GeoCities websites with like GIFs everywhere and, and countdowns and ugly backgrounds and, that's, and, and, and dog tokens. <laughs> and like, that's, that's the space that we're in. But, you know, there is going to be the Amazon, right? The Facebook, the, you know, the whatever else that comes out of this and goes, this is what this can be used for and this is serious. And so, like, I'm excited to be part of that, right? And it's one of those things where, you know, if we're there building the tools to enable the next genius to come up with, you know, product X, Y, Z, that's, that's going to be a game changer. Or, you know, maybe that's, that's us ourselves. I have to say, too, as well, just kind of added that, too, is that what's so exciting, and this is where the parallel of what Jason was talking about when it comes to the 90s, is that when I attended the last Decentral conference here in Miami, that there was such a push for NFTs. And you can see that cycle where literally in the last, I guess, maybe 6, 12 months, where it went from crypto being um, talked about, you know, a lot of buzz going along with it, the retail investor. And then we had the meme token age. And then NFTs were a big push. But then now, I think we're really landing on utility. Where like now it's really kind of been flushed out of the people that are just there to make a quick buck they're being flushed down the NFT market. You know, they like said we're not financial advisors here, but you can see what's going on with that that whole space there. But now landing in Web three is where we're coming into real utility, where there's real value and a real exposition of what this could possibly be in the future, not only for the space as a whole, but what Ember's trying to deliver. I think. This is a good uh, moment as well to sort of bring into the loop this idea of, you know, where we're at with checkout and, you know, where do we see it fitting now? But also eventually we've introduced it not too long ago. I mean, it was, I think it was just around the corner of 2022. We did the demo and now, you know, initially it was available, I think on six chains, and I think it's expanded just expanded just a little bit since then, just, just a little bit. And without saying that, we feel this is, you know, going to be truly empowering for all of these different 
sort of chain ecosystem to make, you know, whichever project that are building on, you know, these these places like Avalanche or a Polygon or even the more sort of left field ones like Ronin or Moonbeam or, you know, all these different chains. Ultimately, I mean, one of the main reasons why we're doing this, at least the version one of it, is we've scratched our own itch in the sense that when we launched our own token, it was absolutely absurd to send people into an uncharted territory of basically, you know what, we get you excited and we get you really pumped about our project, our idea, and you know how you can get involved by purchasing or investing in our project. And then we send you in this unbeaten like territory where it's full of red flags. You're basically left on your own. Uh, you know, you want to buy it as if you want to buy a product. And we give you the the SKU number, and we tell you you just run with it, you know, and make sure make sure when you get to the tilt over there, you don't make any mistakes. And if you do, well, there's no there's no customer support, by the way, and you know everybody's trying to you know rip you along the way. So I mean, it it just did not make sense. And I think this opportunity gap where we feel we have an unfair advantage because of your background, because of our background and, you know, uh, the way we see the space and how we want to make it accessible and check out will, you know, by providing this web three payment flow to purchase the digital asset of the project on whichever chain there are to make it in two steps or three at the most, you know, on, on the project's website. And this is something that is quite common in the web two space, but it's, it's impossible. It's like not common in crypto. Yeah, absolutely not possible. And it's full of red flags, full of pitfalls, full of mistakes. And we want to change this. And, you know, uh, James, this is where what do they say? The, uh, the mother of, uh, invention is necessity. necessity? Yeah. Is that what- yeah. So this is, this is your time, you know, to, to, to showcase what you've built, you know, uh, uh, James, and we have a few demos and we'll try to help you in describing what you're showcasing, but this is going to change a lot of things. And um, we just can't wait. Everybody's excited. We're excited. You're excited. The community's excited. So let's just, let's just do it. We'll do it. Now, last time on the rewatch, I saw that you guys were throwing the question of, can we check out with SafeMoon, right? So SafeMoon is one of the largest tokens on BSC. They also have a tax, which traditionally has made it hard for, for people to kind of integrate and make it work right because you need to account for that. So I thought for the for the demo today, I would show us setting up a checkout for SafeMoon, putting it onto their website as a bit of a cheeky demo and actually checking out. So let's do it. I'm going to share my screen. Awesome. Can't wait. For those that are watching it right now, this is the builder. So for people, when it comes to B2B on the, on, on the business end, something we've built in-house along with you know, all the rest of the technology that's our intellectual property. James has built this. This is where someone who's actually wants to integrate our widget onto their website. This is what they're going to be confronted with to how easy this is to be able to build this widget. I'm just kind of setting you up there a little bit, James, if you want to add to that as well. Yeah, I'll also add that this is my very early internal version. So this is what our... Um, our community team will be using as they start reaching out to tokens uh, initially, but we're actually redesigning this page along with the main website. So the main website's being redesigned by 
super site for, for checkout to explain the product. This page and this are our internal tools. Uh, we're working with an in-house designer that we recently brought on board, which is great. So it looks pretty imposing now. I think, what are we up to? 18 chains. I had 19 chains last night, but I didn't like the one hanging over here. And so... <laughs> you want to be uniform. <laughs> all right, got rid of that one. We definitely, we're definitely on the same team here because we're all... This, when it comes to uniformity, we're all in the same boat. Yeah, like a nice even grid. Just to give a, a little bit of insight for the people that are not watching, obviously, so on the left, we have an interface that, you know, lets people uh, select the chain and out of those chains, you know, we have Harmony, Avalanche, Phantom, Kronos, Polygon, ETH, uh, Metacello, Oasis, Qcoin, Moon River, Moonbeam. I mean, the list goes on. And from there, once you choose one of the these side chains, these layer two chains, you're presented with an opportunity to select on which sort of DEX, decentralized exchange, your liquidity has been deployed. And so it's a three-step process. You choose the change, you choose the liquidity, and then you input your contract address. So meaning that this is all hard-coded. Once you deploy this on your website with the, the snippet to embed the interface, it cannot be modified or altered. And so there's no place and no margin basically for errors. But yeah, I'll let you go for it, uh, James. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and to Jason's point, you know, you see that as we as we click on each of these, we see the exchanges. One of the, I guess, the defining things for us was that we didn't want to have to set up our own decks on every single chain just to be able to support them. One, that's an insane amount of setup and work and, and things to maintain. But two, and resources, right? But two is if we wanted to work like that, we'd need people to take liquidity out of their existing liquidity pool that's probably running really well and put it into a liquidity pool just for us. Uh, and that's what we've seen with some other providers where they go, yeah, we offer you know similar kind of products, not quite the same, but you need to set up with our decks and do things our way of things. Personally, I love the idea of dexes. I, I think they're great. The fact they're the way that automated market making works. Uh, I could probably geek out if you guys want to have a conversation on Discord at some point. But the way they work is actually really cool. And I guess we saw we're an opportunity to work with what is existing already. Like we don't want people to have to jump through hoops to have to use our checkout service on their website. We want them to be able to use their existing liquidity pool and whatever else. So uh, that also meant that we were able to support 18 chains, maybe plus a couple more um, right out of the gate at launch, which I think for us is really important to, to get that wide reach um, and to be able to kind of facilitate this for as many projects as possible. So anyway, BSC, Pancake swap. We're going to copy the Safe Moon address here from the website. Make sure we've got the V2 version. The other annoying or difficult thing about setting this kind of stuff up is a lot of tokens or uh, a lot of projects maybe don't necessarily know the liquidity address. Sometimes it's a bit hard to find. Sometimes the token icon won't come up. You know, for example, our Amber icon, you, know, you still won't see on Pancake Swap because Pancake Swap in particular, they use trust wallets list of assets. And Trust Wallet has a twenty-five thousand holder minimum, uh, and so you know we've we've submitted our Amber token, and basically we'll wait with them until we hit twenty-five thousand users. At which point, Trust Wallet will go, "Sure, we're happy to show you a token image in Trust Wallet." At which point, it will also show up on Pancake Swap. So, what we wanted for the checkout is for the ability for them to put their token logo in here as well as an override. We'll automatically find it if we can, but otherwise, we let a token really easily chuck a new token logo in there. 
you notice we automatically find the token details and liquidity pool. So as soon as you put the contract address in, we're buying SafeMoon there. Chuck in token tax. So not every token has a tax, but this token does have a tax. And one thing that we do have is this unlock MetaMask plugin that tells me that I haven't logged in yet. Now, this is great, and you guys have probably seen this part before, but what's really fun is when we can actually put it on the website of a token. So what I'm going to do is this is uh, this is Chrome's Web Inspector. It just lets me find the elements that are kind of on a page and, and select them. What I'm going to do really quickly is I'm going to set up a selector to basically tell Checkout that it's allowed to embed on the right-hand side of that SafeMoon website. So I just want to add a few steps for the people that are just listening in, because obviously a lot of this is very visual. So what James just did is he went on the SafeMoon website, he took the contract address, which is the normal flow that someone is sort of presented with. You know, As we said before, if you want to purchase an asset, there's these how-to-buy guides and like six, seven different steps, and then you need to go on that side, do this, do that. And basically, they give you the equivalent of a SKU of a product, and you, you, you have to figure it out from there. So James just took the contract address, which is publicly available on SafeMoon's website. He just put it in the, in the builder. And when he pressed enter, bam, the interface for the embed widget just populated with the SafeMoon logo. It states that this is a, a token that is on the uh, BSC smart chain. And basically, you are invited to, at that point, you know, connect your, your wallet to do the purchase. So the next steps are the builder creates or generates an embed code of which normally the project leader would copy and paste and put wherever they want this to appear on their website, on the hero panel or the second or the third or whatever. But right now, what James is trying to showcase is basically we're going to sort of do it in, in sort of a cheeky way. We're just going to use the, the um, how did you call it? The, the console or the inspector. And so it means I can do it for, just for me. To drop it on the website. That's right. And also too as well, just so you guys understand, for those that are listening or, or watching with some of this, it may seem a little bit technical. The one thing that also separates us from our competitors is that we have 24-7 customer support where there is a team that's going to be able to hold your hand along the way to make sure that this is implemented properly. If there's any questions or confusion, there's someone that's going to be there. You know, We have a docs team that's able to be available. We have customer support that's going to be able to, if there's questions that arise. And we've thought about these processes all the way through. Yeah, that's right. All right, without any further ado, I'm going to add the thing. So what I'm doing here is I copied that embed code. I'm pasting it into Chrome. As Jason said, like to actually use this on your website, like we're currently using this on the end of the site, you'd already have this set up as part of your code. So when the site loads, it actually effectively does this, uh, but as part of the page load. But here we go. That's what the Ember checkout widget looks like on the SafeMoon website. That's as if, you know, SafeMoon decided to, you know what, we're going to use the Ember checkout. As opposed to sending you somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, we have, we have the same thing on our own website right there. And so, you know, we're, we're currently working through different stylings, light and dark modes as well with our design team so that when someone puts it into their website, you know, obviously we're starting with this kind of simple, you know, contained version, but eventually we'll have a version that will probably theme, is fit in mobile and kind of sits in within the website design a little bit more closely as well. 
All right. Shall we do the thing? Yeah, perfect. So for everyone listening in, the widget has been dropped in the SafeMoon Hero panel. And James is basically connecting his wallet. And uh, yeah, go for it. And also, too, for those of you guys are listening, I do suggest you guys check us out You know, on any of our multiple platforms. You can watch the video of this. We'll be making this shareable because to be able to see is to believe. Yeah, that's right. Um, one thing that I will note, and I, I can show this in a, in a moment, is if you happen to be on the wrong chain, you know, we're trying to catch all the edge cases. Is, is What we would say in software development is, is edge cases. Sometimes people's wallets, they may be connected to the wrong chain. It might not have BHC set up yet. So we have screens to make sure that they can set it up yet. Once you do do our purchase, um, you'll also see that right now I don't actually have SafeMoon set up in MetaMask. And so we've got a button for that. Uh, you've probably seen similar things on some other DEXs. Um, but we want to make sure that this experience just really makes life easy for the end user. So let's buy three bucks worth of SafeMoon. I want to run it through here. Now, I will say I've been, I've been tweaking a lot of the gas um, calculations on the, on the checkout. And so at the moment, it's still not, you know, there is still the odd transaction that fails. When we do launch, that will be, you know, we're going for 100%, <laughs> which again, is not something that we like to do in software development, but there we go. Cool. So that, that went through. I can see my BNB balance now, my SafeMoon balance now. Um, I, I did a couple of purchases last night, which is why this balance is, is higher than that. And now what I'm going to do is add SafeMoon to my MetaMask so I can track it. Comes up with the token logo, the balance, whatever else. And uh, in my assets, I can now see my SafeMoon. That's it. That alone, just to be able to track it like that is, is, is just amazing with one click. Because even when it comes to just adding stuff to your wallet alone, uh, copy and paste and go through all of those uh, steps to just to be able to keep track of what you have is is ridiculous. And the fact that we're able to do it with one click, I mean, not to mention everything else that happened previously <laughs> to get to that point, which is amazing, but to even, you know, to have it all set up for you, where we're really looking at every aspect of what are pain points for the end user. And that really goes full circle about enabling the end user, the retail investor. That's it. And I think one of the things is even just that, that chain set up you know, I've seen people spend half, you know, a paragraph talking about how, how you connect to BSC and how you set it up in your MetaMask wallet and you have to copy this URL and you have to copy this name. And like, that's tedious and people don't want to have to do that. And so for us to just have like a one-click button was is really important for our user flow. That's kind of our expectation for our own products that, that would be easy to use. And so to offer that level of ease to people using our product was, uh, was really important. Cool. So that, that was it. Yeah, I, I, again, this is just magic. I mean, it feels like magic, you know, when your average experience is, is very complex and daunting and scary and et cetera. So it, it really feels like magic. I mean, if you compare it to Web 2, it's still pretty crap. But when you look through the Web 3 lens and how it is right now and it feels like magic. And I'm sure that most people that are listening in right now that have purchased a token, you know, in, in the DeFi space uh, through a DEX, and most DEX are worse than, than the ones that we're used to. You know, if you talk about, you know, Sushi Swap, Uniswap. Yeah, but so going on Ronin or even Ronin or other ones, those DEXs are really complicated. Yeah, I mean, the, the ones we normally interact with, they're the good ones. Yeah. <laughs> Relatively speaking. Yeah, exactly. So to think that most project, and I'm, I'm really, you know, I'm 
empathizing with project leaders that are trying to bring to market their project and they want to raise capital because ultimately DeFi as a project, when you launch your token, it's it's an IDO, you know, it's an initial DEX offering. And the goal is to raise as much capital as possible to reach as many people as possible. And this can only be achieved through the best UX UI, the least amount of steps, the least amount of friction. You have to contain the flow. You can't have dropouts. These are no-nos. I mean, there's thousands of articles and blogs about how to build a checkout flow for e-commerce. And all of them will all tell you the same thing. Least amount of friction, world-class UX UI. Do not like lose them in the flow because you have dropout rates and you know all those sorts of things. I mean, with the current how it works, there's not even like a dropout rate. Why? Because it's a hundred percent dropout. It's like everyone drops out, and then you just hope they get there. So imagine what you can start getting, you know, with the next step in this. So now you're able to know analytics. Now you can start seeing who has entered, you know, not who, but the amount of people that entered the flow and how many dropout actually happened, you know, and all those sorts of things. You start being able to run a real business because you have this insight and data. And I'd be very excited for you, James. Obviously, you know, we could go back and show how, you know, each and every single project that is listed on a DEX will work on the checkout. I mean, we've done this before and I think we'd go around and circle for hours because there's thousands of different projects, but trust us, they all work. If they're listed and they have liquidity on each of or any of those chains and DEXs, it's going to work. But I think where we want to get at is what's next? Like, we're going to take this out right now. Uh, Rob is spearheading the closed beta for this and you know, we we're, we have a forum that we'll be able to share for whoever is, is leading a project. They want to show that they're interested to put this on their website. But what's next, you know, with Checkout? You know, wh- where are we going with this next? Yeah, um, I just saw one person ask in the comments um, if this supports Trust Wallet. Absolutely. You can actually try it on the Ember website right now. Uh, you notice there's a Wallet Connect button. And so that can connect to any of the wallets that Wallet Connect supports, whether that's MetaMask on your phone, Trust Wallet on your phone. Um, there's a whole bunch of other ones there. So give it a go. Um, basically, the, the version that we have on the Ember website is our kind of pre-production build. And I usually keep that pretty up to date. And so anything checkout supports, it will support, which also is fun when I manage to break it because uh, I'm doing testing uh, and I forget that I've got the version running on the Ember so enjoy that enjoy being part of the process but jason you asked about kind of what's what's next for checkout right so for us i guess part of that is going to be the fiat on ramp it's a really big topic in the space of crypto is how do i get into crypto you know at the end of the day once you have bnb once you have ethereum or avalanche it's great you can use them on a swap you can use them on a centralized exchange you can use them to you know buy your utility tokens and that kind of thing but how do i get involved to start with that's a big question. That's a lot, large learning curve just to be able to go to get BNB. I mean, for some people too, with Binance, especially too, when it comes to their turnaround, when to get verified, just to be able to purchase through Fiat, through Binance, you know, that's a, a major hurdle that they have to overcome to be able to even get involved. Yeah, that's it.
I just want to add, because I think this is an important thing to bring out uh, and to say is that all of these chains, you know, these 18, and there's way more out there, they all have this native currency, this native token, you know, uh, Binance has BNB, um, Avalanche has AVAX, you know, uh, Polygon has Matic, you know, they all have their native uh, currency. And the only way you can actually sort of get involved in a project that has been built on that chain, let's say on Avalanche, and, you know, a project launches their own token on, on Avalanche, you need AVAX to purchase that. So it's sort of like you get excited, you 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 want, and, and it's basically you have to almost see like chains as countries in the sense that you know I want to go into Australia, but if I want you know I'm Canadian, I'm flying into you know uh, Australia and I want to buy a coffee. I mean, they could possibly take my Canadian dollars, but for the example, I need to have this local currency to be able to transact and. When it comes to like enabling international purchases, a great example of what we're trying to achieve in this, I think this is where you want to get to, James, is when you have a credit card, a Visa or MasterCard or whatever, and you go into Australia and you buy that coffee, I didn't put Australian money in my credit card. My credit card, what it does for me is that it takes care of it. It takes care of it because it, you know, it knows that you know it's complex. All it wants for you is to purchase. It wants you to spend money. Wants to make life easy. So when I get to Australia, I take my, my my credit card with me, and I can buy, and then I can fly to Thailand and whatever, and then I'll fly to Russia and then whatever, and then I'll go to the states and whatever. With this one type of mechanism of doing it all for me, and the way we see checkout is that we feel that this local currency of these chains as much as you know they they have utility but for the person that wants to get to the second step and wants to purchase a local sort of token on on that chain it's not very relevant like why push me into a place where i have to go and buy that and then swap it and the way we feel is that all of this can be eliminated I love that antidote. Yeah, that's a really great way to describe it is, um, you know, that you, you need to generally first have the local currency, right, in order to buy a local product. So part of, I guess, what we want to do is, yes, enable fiat, which allows all credit card purchasing, Apple Pay, Google Pay, which allows people to get in to start with. But I guess the next level of that, as Jason might be alluding to, is to take the native currency step out of that process. And so part of what we're looking at for checkout I'm hesitant to say B2. You know, we, we see it as a kind of a continual timeline of features that we want to release. So it could be it could be V1. Point, mm, yeah. You know, whatever. 1.2227 or whatever, like mostly startups. <laughs> That's it. It's it's probably just gonna be it's gonna be the release that we do after the next release. You know what I mean? Just releases. Yeah. It's just yeah, yeah. As as part of the feature set that we want to offer is the idea that you can come in. You can say, I want to buy a hundred bucks of the token I'm interested in. So let's hope that's Ember token uh, that lives on BSC. Normally, you'd have to buy BNB, swap it for Ember. And even though we've simplified the swapping, uh, we haven't simplified the fiat side. And so part of what we want to do is in our feature set 
is provide a workflow that will basically take you from that. I want to spend a hundred bucks. You would be, you know, your credit card would be charged by a payment partner. So someone like Wire. Wire would process that credit card transaction. They would then send us a notification that yes, this, this transaction has been processed. Um, and then we're set up some backend systems that would basically link up that purchase. We would use the native functionality of the DEX to allow us to actually do a transaction from the credit card side using basically you know a, a pool of our own BNB that we're effectively kind of spending on behalf of you. Um, and then we would do the swap and you would be the receiver of that. And so that kind of takes out that extra step of, okay, credit card to BNB, now BNB to Ember. Now I've finally gotten what I want, which by the way is still better than a lot of the current approaches. Yeah, even just those steps alone. I mean, but you were even going beyond that, which is something that still is not in this space at all. Yeah, like a lot of the websites that I see, you know, they might have a separate on-ramp. And they go, okay, go use the on-ramp to get the native token. And then by the way, then you've got to go to PancakeSwap and you've got to paste the token address. And sometimes it won't show up because PancakeSwap's having a bad day. Uh, and then you go, when you refresh a couple of times, then it's going to show up and you have to click through a couple of things and you have to set the slippage. And, and then you have to make sure that the token amounts are right. And then you press OK. And then you've got to unlock the token on your wallet. So you go do that. And then you press the swap. And then you like just wait around. You need to figure it out. It's like YouTube after YouTube after YouTube after YouTube. <laughs> Yeah, there's, there's also no there's also no instruction. Yeah, yeah. it's the, no instruction, and just you describing it sounds exhausting. I mean, imagine actually doing it, you know? Yeah, yeah. and you haven't set up BSC on your MetaMask yet, so we'll get stuff. I read a tutorial somewhere about that. <laughs> there's a lot of steps that we're trying to solve here, but um, I guess that's that's the next evolution is just making that seamless to go. You know, my mum wants to support Ember, and she wants to put fifty bucks in. She wants to get fifty bucks with her Ember. Let's make that, I guess, equivalent to, to what you would have when you check out in a store or on an online store where you go, I'm paying with my credit card or I'm paying with Google or Apple Pay and I'm getting a product at the end of it. And the product is the token. But, you know, we don't want to go through five, six, seven intermediary steps when we're making people do that. So that's, that's very much, I guess, the approach that we have is let's simplify it. Let's make it similar to the, the processes that people are used to in real life. Well, I, I think also that's a great segue into just before we end here, we've been going on for about an hour and this has been, you know, I think a very compelling conversation that the idea also when it comes to software as a service and when it comes to the launchpad, other things we want to offer and the idea of keeping it simple to be simplistic and where the end user where it's just, it just works. And it goes back to what um, you said about magic and that's what um, Jobs talked about when it came with the iPad is that when something just works and you don't understand the technology behind it, it seems like magic. And But being able to have that level of simplicity where it just works is so difficult to achieve, to be able to do that. And, and I wanted to see what, you, what your thoughts are when it comes to you know, software as a service and what we want to be able to, you know, when it comes to a launchpad and other products that are going to be you know, our deliverables that we're going to have down the line and what your thoughts are on those and what your methodology is of, of to how we get there. Yeah, I guess, you know, this very much touches on what Ember.org will be eventually. Uh, and I'm sure Jason has a bunch of thoughts on that as well. So feel free to jump in. But, you know, coming from the startup kind of background that I do, you know, a lot of what we do is reducing friction and basically setting up people for a win when they use our products. Um, you know, you don't want people to, to have a hard time with that. And so you notice that with other SaaS products, so, you know, we, we mentioned people like Stripe, 
they're a great test provider. Even, you know, you're talking people like MailChimp and those kind of guys here, you know, they offer a service that provides a lot of utility and makes like very easy for businesses. You know, back in the day, sending up something to send your emails was very annoyingly hard. And then MailChimp came along and, and other people like that. Same for credit card processing. You know, you have people like Wire, people like Stripe that simplified it. And so that's what we want to do. And the fun part of that is that we went through the hard manual, <laughs> difficult process of launching our own token. And stressful. I would say very stressful. <laughs> very Extremely stressful. Extremely stressful. Let's just do it all ourselves, but from the ground up. Why not? And it was a, look, it was a great learning experience, um, especially if, you know, most of our team, we hadn't launched a token yet before. We might have been involved in brewery, but we hadn't done that. Certainly for me, you know, prior to this, I had very little crypto experience. And so the last six, seven months or more, more now has been basically a great learning curve of bringing my traditional software development experience into the Web3 world. And a lot of that was just sitting back and going, WTF. Why doesn't this work the way that we expect it to? Okay, we've got to launch a, a contract. Oh, we've got to get it audited. Okay, how do we launch our liquidity? A lot of you guys don't know this, or some of you do. When we launched Ember, someone got in like an hour before us. A hundred bucks. And they put like a hundred bucks in liquidity. Yeah, started their own liquidity pool or something. Which, yeah. you, know, you know, one of those things, you don't know what you don't know. And so we were like, great, we were all set up to launch liquidity. And then some well-meaning person had gotten the ember from the crowd sale. It was like, oh, there's no liquidity. I put 100 bucks in. Awesome. And it totally messed up our plans. And you know, we had poor Eli crunching numbers, trying to work out how we get back to the liquidity that we're meant to. And Jason and Andrew and I all like setting up different liquidity <laughs> you know, deposits to basically get us to the right figure for launch. Anyway, looking back now, it's it's pretty funny, but as a token launch morning, it was incredibly stressful. At the time, all of us were like hair on fire. We're like, what is this? And the price is going to be like $8 for some reason. And, you know, there's a hundred bucks of liquidity and no one can trade. Um, <laughs> and, then, and then we had to go through the processes. Okay, well, now we want to do the right thing by our community. So how do we lock up this LP tokens? X, Y, Z, right? There's, there's a lot of steps. <laughs> um, and through, through that process, we've gone, okay, well, here's how you do the steps. And so for, I guess, coming back to that, that SaaS mentality of, you know, a, a good software as a service solves a lot of problems under the hood. And so the end user can just do the things that they actually want to do, not the things that are re- required to do that. That sounds like a bit of a, a roundabout way of saying that, you know, we want to help sort out a lot of the hard stuff or at least provide instructions where we can't automate it so that people know that they're following the right path when they launch their token. So Ember.org is part of our launch pad. You know, we want to make sure that someone who's approved, you know, they, they're going to come to us. We'll have an approval process because we want to make sure that as Ember.org, we're representing projects that are legitimate, that they have real utility that, you know, I guess our customers or the people that are using Ember.org see us as a, a safe or reputable space. So when, when you're coming and you're looking at a token on Ember.org, you're looking at a token through our launch pad, you know that it's entered by our team and probably by a third-party audit as well. I, I think too, is ha- having those expectations too, as well as the team is, is, is the setting those expectations where we're setting the standard of what is, you know, something what they're to expect on, on this platform. Yeah, 100%. We kind of, we tried to hold ourselves to as high a standard as possible when we were going through this process. And so we're going to hold tokens to a high standard as well. The idea is once once you're verified, once you're in the door, once we know that, you're, that the contract that you're building 
is, you know, that there are no kind of nefarious elements to it, that it's all ordered and whatever else. The idea is we want a token creator to be able to come in to mint their token through ember.org. Right now, you usually have to go to, uh, you know, kind of secondary site to, to mint a new token or remix. There's a bit of back and forth there. You have to do it the right way. Uh, we're going to provide an interface for that on ember.org. And the idea is that a token creator can come in with the contract that, you know, that they've built or uh, they can use one of the contract templates that we provide. That, again, will be pre-audited. They can launch it and mint it through the website. They'll be able to run a crowd sale through ember.org and probably use the, uh, another widget similar to check out on their own website to provide you know, a, a pre-sale experience there. That's it. You know, we've set up vesting contracts for ourselves. So that's also something that we'll offer to, to people using the launch pad. So the idea is you come in, you can mint your token, you can run the crowd sale, you can run your vesting through ember.org or again through an embeddable widget on your own website. We'll eventually offer things like staking. Uh, but one of the things that I'm really keen to, to launch because of our insane experience with Patrix of liquidity is that you'll be able to launch on a DEX on any one of those chains as 18 chains that we currently support and those you know, two to three DEXs per chain, you'll be able to one-click launch from your ember.org dashboard, your liquidity, straight away. And we'll also have mechanisms uh, for locking it as well. So currently, you know, there are quite a few lock providers. We'll also be a lock provider. And the idea being that you can kind of take your project from, again, ideation to launch. We use that, that terminology a lot, but we, we mean it, right? We want to take you from the idea of, hey, I want to, I want to create a token that does this and it works in this way. Use the templates that we have that are pre-audited or, again, you know, bring your own token developer or contract developer on board, mint the token, run the crowd sale, raise funds, do your vesting, set up your liquidity, lock your liquidity. And meet compliance all of the way as well, you know, which is... And meet compliance the whole way through. That's it. And so, like, you know, we'll have teams that are working with token creators to make sure that they're, you know, they're facilitated in the way that they need to be. They, they're empowered to do what they want to do. And at the same time, you know, like we've, we've said from the start, you know, we're not really about control. You know, I don't want to be holding the keys to that person's token. You know, I want them to have uh, a dashboard and a suite of tools to allow them to do the things that they want to as part of their launch journey. Uh, and then, of course, once they launch, they're going to be on ember.org. They're going to have the ability to have checkout on their website. They're also going to have a token page on ember.org that allows them to do the checkout and that kind of thing. And so it's, uh, you know, it's a big goal, but checkout is very much just the first step in, in that suite of products. And we felt, thought it was a kind of a very natural first product, but, you know, kind of expect to see more of that kind of utility as we, as we start to launch our ember.org product. And as part of that, the, the launch pad in that. Yes. yes. I like hearing that. Where do I sign up? Where do I sign up? Jason messaged me so much about this. <laughs> I feel like every morning I'll jump into our Slack and Jason's like, hey, for Ember.org, this is what I'm thinking. I've set up plans. I've set up the roadmap. In. We, use a, we use a CRM called Zoho. Uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar, but Jason's forever putting in requirements for me to then go check out and try and work out how... <laughs> How we technically manage it. <laughs> no, absolutely. Also, too, for those that are interested to be able to, and there is a, a finite availability when it comes to being able to sign up for the closed beta. There's only so many spots that are available. When it comes to our Discord team and everyone else with the community success team that are reaching out, we'll have a form for you guys to fill out. It's very easy. As you can see, what we've showcased today and demonstrated, that that's able to be replicated on any of those 18 chains. 
that you saw on the builder. So that was just one example of many. So depending on, no matter where you're coming from, we'll be able to meet your expectations and meet your demands. We'll have that delivered out to you guys as well. Also, too, for those of you guys who are listening, you know, talking to James, you know, is a fantastic host. But for those that aren't, you know, that are unaware that on the Discord, you know, there's a technical analysis channel that where James is always talking to the community, always breaking things down, giving some, you know, real technical data to those that are interested. So that's always available to you guys as well. So make sure you guys check that channel out. We'll be sending out the form. Right now, signups, like I said, are finite availability. If you know of a project, you're a part of a project as a developer, please fill this out. We're going to be reaching out to you with more information. You saw how easily this was demonstrated. This is able to be done on any of those particular chains. Jason, do you want anything else before we get out of here? I know that we've been... Poor James has had no sleep, I'm sure. <laughs> well, he, he can go and eat his uh, weed bix now. Uh, but um... Yeah, or, uh, or some... Uh, uh... Some Marmite. <laughs> Vegemite, man. Not the Marmite. Marmite. That's the British one. <laughs> uh, yeah, Vegemite. Vegemite, sorry. We'll let that one pass, Rob, but uh, <laughs> think about it next time. I'm American. Yeah. Never mind. What do you want? You know, <laughs> They're all foreign to me. But yeah, no, um, I, I don't have anything to add other than thanks, uh, James, for uh, joining us on this season two premiere. Thanks for having me. I think that... Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you join us again, you know, uh, in, in a couple months to come. But I think we can safely uh, announce two things, uh, Rob, coming up in regards to uh, today at Ember in the upcoming guests uh, that have been already secured, uh, but more are to come as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we're doing a different format this season as well. We're going to be having some live shows and also some pre-recorded shows that will be able to be released. A lot of these pre-recorded shows will involve our now, uh, I guess, guests that we're going to be bringing on that not only bring something to the sector, but also have a through line to how it relates to Ember. We'll have a partnership and how that also relates to current events. We're going to be bringing on the people from Wire, our buddy there, Jamal, who's 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 kind of spearheading when it comes to how public relations work over there at Wire and how our integration, we're going to be simultaneously doing a marketing campaign together as well because they're going to be you know integrating with BNB. They're also integrated with other chains that Ember Checkout already supports already. So we want to have a joint effort though when it comes to that launching. Also as well, um, you know, with Ember Checkout, you know, with Hacken that we want to have, and we I don't want to give too much away when it comes to you know, we talked about the 90s earlier with previous, you know, when it comes to having an actual checkout with something that's secured, we want to be able to have that sort of that familiar feel of security when it comes to crypto as well. Hackett's going to be helping out with that. And we're going to have them as a guest also. And there's also some things when it comes to geopolitics that are going to be talking about also. We want to have this as an in-depth discussion with not only how it relates to Ember, how it relates to the sector, and really how it relates to the entire finance world as a whole. And I suggest you guys always check us out. We have some live videos. Always reach out to us. Discord is the place to do so. You can catch us on any of our platforms, whether that's you know Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Twitch, YouTube. We're available everywhere. Jason, you have anything to add? James as well? Coming to Discord, honestly, guys, uh, the conversation on Discord has been pumping the last few days. Um, so recently uh, consolidated our Telegram into Discord. So uh, a lot of you have already moved over. If you haven't yet, please do. The conversation on Discord is fantastic. So that's all I've got to add. Jump in, be part of the community, have some discussions, ask some questions. Um, Thanks for having me, guys. All right. 
It's been a real pleasure, James. Hope to have you back. Jason, it's been a real pleasure, buddy. See you guys next week. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Today at Ember. If you like the show, please rate and review. You can find us on all of the major podcasting platforms. You can also tune in to our live stream on YouTube and subscribe to our channel. Thanks again for listening and see you on the next episode. 